What's up, everyone? This is episode number 16 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. It's been a jam-packed week for the Wax Museum podcast, from blockbuster trades to free tacos to the NBA draft. We saw it all. Some of you have been sending me messages on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast. Thank you for your comments, your criticisms, and as always, your pictures of your favorite cards. Now, I mentioned that this was a crazy week. Can we talk about how much this league has evolved for just a few moments here? Because we've gotten to the point where there are parts of the NBA offseason that are seemingly more entertaining than the actual season now. For me as a content creator, that's great. There's always something to talk about. But the NBA is now a a 365-day-a-year sport, and there are so many different components to it, and even... This hobby seems to have drawn quite a few people in who don't even watch that much basketball, and that's okay. There's a growing appeal to this sport. But let's just look at um, just a span of three weeks alone here. We had the Raptors on June 13th. They won their NBA title. We talked about that last week. The Lakers then get Anthony Davis on the 15th. Uh, Mike Conley's traded on the 19th. The draft is on the 20th. Then we're going to have the NBA giving out their awards on the 24th. Free agency has officially been moved, I think, to the night of the 30th. And then the Summer League starts around July 5th or July 6th. So seriously, there is never a dull moment. Well, as you know, this is a basketball card podcast first and foremost. So I'm going to hit all of these topics, but I want to really spend some quality time on the cardboard aspect of everything. So here's a rough outline for where I'm going today. I want to talk a little bit about some of the pre-draft action from this week. I want to talk about the draft, some of the hobby happenings associated with that, where to acquire cards of new draft selections, and then I have a little feature at the end that's about players changing teams, so you don't want to miss that part. Okay, so let's go to the pre-draft action. Um, Obviously, the big story at the start of this week was the Anthony Davis trade. And even though it's being labeled as such, I thought the Pelicans really came out of this thing looking really good. The initial trade, it was Anthony Davis for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, who I'm not really high on, and then three first-round picks, which included the number four overall. And between some maneuvering over the last couple of days, when all was said and done after last night's draft, the Pelicans essentially turned Anthony Davis, who... You know, let's be honest, I don't think there was really any other competition for him. He'd already made it clear to Boston that he wasn't re-signing, so who else was really going to make an offer for him? And yet somehow they managed to turn him into Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes at the 8th pick. Um, We had Alexander Walker with the 17th pick. We had Silva with the 35th pick. Um, They dumped... Solomon Hill's contract, and then they have a number of picks in the future. So, um, well, and of course, you know, add on to that, they didn't get this for Anthony Davis, but then they've got Zion. So they've got a, a pretty nice looking future just based off of all that alone. Um, some of these future picks and even picks that you might have seen other teams acquiring, they could end up being pretty valuable, even if they're in the second round. You might hear some people talking about a double draft that's coming up. And what that basically means is that at some point, the NBA is going to lower the age restriction for the league, and we're going to have basically a double rookie class. What I mean is this. We'll get the top freshmen that were already slated to come out in the draft, 
And then we're going to get an entire group of the best 18 year olds who don't have to pretend like they're taking classes for a year. They can just go straight to the NBA game. So we know that's probably coming soon. The NBA's hinted at it. They've talked about it. Adam Silver seems to be in favor of that. So at some point, there's going to be a double draft class. Um, So that was the Anthony Davis trade. The other big trade this week was the Mike Conley trade, where the Grizzlies traded Conley to the Jazz for Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, 23rd pick in the draft, and then a future first-round pick. And I know when this first happened, a lot of people felt like this was a lot to give up for Mike Conley, but you know what? The Jazz got an upgrade at the point. Their fans seem pretty happy about it. I'm happy for them. Um, and then for Memphis, this cleared the way for them to draft John Morant with this the uh, number two pick. So like all trades really should function, and a lot of them don't, but like all of them should function, both teams really made out well, and it looks like it's going to work for both of them. So that's a good thing. Um, speaking of John Morant, Wednesday night, Panini held an NBA draft. They called it their pre-party with a handful of players that included Ja Morant and R.J. Barrett. So they gave interviews talking about how they collected when they were younger and and now having a a card of their own was a dream come true. So it was kind of interesting watching that. You can see that video on Panini's Instagram. We'll see if those feelings are still there when they've signed 10,000 autographs. Who knows? Okay, But as far as the draft goes, so that was all pre-draft stuff. Um, I'm not going to go over every little trade there were a few more, a few other moves before the actual draft. Um, one of them saw my Pacers steal TJ Warren and the 32nd pick from the Suns for cash. You know, I love that move. It gives the Pacers a number of different routes that they can pursue in free agency. As for the actual draft itself, if we, we talk about the presentation, I thought it was very good. I wish it was a little bit faster paced. I wish it actually started at seven, like they said. Um, I don't know a lot about some of these guys, especially after we move away from the top picks as I really watch a lot more pro basketball than I do college. So with that being said, I wish Chauncey and ESPN could have given me more realistic comparisons for people instead of just stars and superstars. For example, I think at one point they compared the 13th pick to a young Kawhi Leonard, whatever that means. Um, You know, I wanted to see a little more realistic comparisons here. Also in this draft, we saw a lot more trading picks than we would normally see. That was kind of fun, but it was hard to follow. From what I read before the draft, it seems like a lot of teams um, got some pretty good picks heading into the late teens and early 20s, but of course only time will tell. There are plenty of places that you can go, though, for more uh, more in-depth draft analysis. I'm not going to go through and break down pick by pick what I think. I'm more interested in the cardboard, and I want to talk more about the cardboard. So um, as part of these draft day festivities, Panini, remember, they're the only ones that have an NBA license. Um, They created a mock-up of their Panini instant draft night cards, posted it on their Instagram, and it was kind of cool to follow along because these cards were updated in real time throughout the night. And basically, it's a picture of the player with Adam Silver on the stage, unless that pick was traded. And then it's not that picture. It's Instead, it's a picture of them at the draft. I don't know if they're going to update these as traits become official. Um, a, across the bottom of the card, it has their pick number and their name. And then on the side, it has the team logo and the words draft night. There are three versions of these cards. You have a green parallel number to 10. 
you have a black parallel numbered to one and then you have a base. Base are available for pre-order for 10 days on Panini's website. Um, although I will say I went last night, tried to find these cards. Eventually I did find them. Unless I overlooked something or missed an obvious link somewhere, that's something I feel like they really could fix. Anyway, however many are pre-ordered, that's what they're going to make. So um, I know there were some guys in the last couple of years who barely had any made. I'm interested to see how many Zion cards get ordered. Um, I've, I've watched this feature for several years now, however long they've been doing this. And I've always been kind of interested about it, but never really wanted to order any of these cards. Well, I decided to try this feature out this year. So I went ahead and I ordered a couple of Zion cards. Um, just a tip, they're $10 on the website, and I think you also have to pay shipping, but people have been buying them in bulk on the Panini website and then putting them on eBay. So you can get them, I think I saw them, I got mine for around $7.50. I think there's a few that might be a little bit lower than that now with free shipping. So if you're interested in these, you know, check that route, save yourself a couple of bucks. Um, I was going to try and figure out how many players Panini was going to produce this year. And, and I noticed that as the draft was going on and, and we were entering the second round, they were still advertising a Bull Bull card um, and he hadn't been picked yet. And then also I looked in the Pacers pick at 18 didn't get one. So it's strange to me that when we're talking cards here that aren't even physically produced yet, it's like they're not even seeing what the demand is going to be. I, I feel like this program is just printing money, um, but they didn't want to go to the trouble of printing some of these lesser sought after players, I guess. I don't know. Um, you know, what happens if one of those guys becomes Draymond or what happens if one of those guys becomes, you know, Jimmy Butler? Now, something I didn't expect regarding these Panini Instant cards that happened last night, uh, Zion tweeted out a link on his personal Twitter so people could purchase his cards. And I've seen that in the past, and and really, he wasn't the only one to do it this year. There were probably 10 or 15 players that did this, but I wasn't sure if we'd see it from Zion because he still hasn't signed an exclusive with either Panini or Upper Deck. And we've already seen a couple of players sign with Panini. So I figured if he had any kind of upper deck deal on the horizon or the possibility of one, since it, you know he hasn't signed yet with anyone, it wouldn't prevent these cards from being made, but I don't think he would be tweeting out a link to buy from Panini. So this could be something worth following. I think it was also kind of funny, you know, I'm just going through some of my thoughts from searching for these cards last night. The one night I go to search Panini stuff on social media, and it's the same night that Lil Nas X releases a song called Panini. You know, what are the odds of that? So that kind of made that search a little more difficult. So I had to sift through lyric posts like, I, Panini, don't be a meanie. I had to read stuff like that. But eventually I found what I was looking for. So it's all good. Okay, so the Panini that I was looking for, Panini America, they posted a few pictures on their Instagram of Ja Morant and Rui Hachimura signing sheets of larger stickers. I saw a similar image on the Pacers website or a video with their new pick, Goga. These look like the special stickers that they've used in status the last couple of years for the Draft Night Auto set. I think I mentioned this in the Luca episode, but that's why, especially when there's a controversy like that, knowing the provenance of these autographs is really important. So that's something that, that's kind of unique if you, know, if you want to see those pictures or those videos, head to the Panini America Instagram. 
and then some people really like having something that was signed on draft night. So I think it's kind of cool to be able to track down when and where something was signed. I checked their Instagram once again last night around 11.30 to see if they had posted anything else. And, and that was it. Just three posts for the entire draft. And they were probably more focused on getting the players to tweet out their personal links for the Panini Instant Cards. But that was it. All right, so let's say you're you're following the draft, you're excited about a player that was drafted, maybe you follow that college, or you're excited about a pro team and who they drafted. Your next question is probably, when and where can you acquire cards of these new draft selections? Um, so I would say, no, you know, obviously if your player was selected high enough for one of the more popular projections, they probably already have a Panini Instant card. Um, The easiest way would be just search their name on eBay with Instant, and that will typically tell you whether they've got it or not. You know, do a little shopping around. After that, here are some guesses, and I I don't have anything written in stone here. I don't know what's actually going to be produced and what's not, but just based off the past, here are my guesses. I think um, we're obviously going to get national packs, so that would be, you know, the date of the first day of the nationals, July 31st. So it'd be sometime around then. That might be where we see those Topps Chrome cards, whatever those are going to be released in. I know we've seen one player signing those already on social media. It's interesting. I haven't seen any of those, any more of those surface, just one player so far. Um, Our next product after that is probably going to be the um, Panini Contenders Draft Picks Basketball. My guess is that's going to come out again at the end of August. And then we've got hoops, which will be towards the end of October. We've got um, college basketball flawless, which will be about halfway through November. And then probably a week after that or somewhere in that time frame. I know a lot of you are really interested in this. That's when Prism will come out. I'm not going to talk a lot about Prism right now. We've already talked about it a little with Zion. I'll probably revisit that topic, though, once a few more sets come out and, and we can kind of anticipate, well, you know, what's this Prism rush going to look like? All right. Um, now, my last topic that I want to touch on today, I think it's an interesting topic as far as players changing teams, whether it be trades, whether it be signings, you know, free agency, whatever. Well, as I talked about earlier, we've already seen a few players change teams, and we're going to have a lot more transactions in the next two weeks as well. So some of you um, player and team collectors, and for example, I, I know one of my most loyal listeners is a Jay Crowder fan, so you're used to this by now. Jay has, has switched teams a number of times. Um, but for other listeners, and, and maybe you're newer to the hobby, or you've collected someone like Dirk who's stuck in one spot for his entire career... You know, maybe you're collecting someone now who's about to change teams or is going to get traded and you've got some big decisions to make. Um, or maybe you're also excited about a player coming in. Well, you know, you've got some decisions to make as well. And even though I could do an entire segment on the Anthony Davis market and the financial side of players moving, I'm talking just collecting here. You have to figure out what you're going to do. So I want to start off, I want to talk to the player collectors. So let's say you collect a guy and he goes to a different team. And I right now I have some nice little collections of certain players, but I haven't chased every card of a player since the days that Ron Artest was on the Pacers. I've talked about my Ron Artest collection a little bit before. So that's been a little bit. 
but I think my decision-making process would still be very similar today. So the first thing, let's say if, you know, if your player is changing teams, the first thing I'd have to ask myself, why do I collect this player? Because that plays a major role in whether you're going to keep collecting that player or whether you're going to give up and maybe choose somebody else. So for me, I'll use my Ron Artest example here. I liked watching him, but he was also on my favorite team. So that was the the big deal. You know, I didn't collect him when he was in Chicago, although once I started collecting him on the Pacers, I went back and got his Chicago cards. Um, But I was originally attracted to him because he was on the Pacers. Well, once he's not on that team, you know, my heart just wasn't in it when he went to the Kings. I, I just couldn't bring myself to collect Ron Artest cards. Not only that, but in in this case, and and I know each case is different, but he asked to be traded from the team. Mind you, that's after he jumped into the stands and beat up somebody who did not throw a cup at him and, you know, that whole malice at the palace thing that I talked about. So the Pacers went through a lot with Ron and then he asked to be traded to another team. With that being said, it was still a tough decision for me because I felt like in a way that collecting a player gave me an identity in the hobby. So I knew I had to find that somewhere else if I stopped collecting him. And in this case, I handled it kind of strange because I ended up buying baseball cards for several years instead. That's not what I'm proposing that you guys do. It's just that's kind of what ended up happening with my collection Had I not soured so much on Ron at the time and had I not been so disgusted with the situation, I think maybe I would have just focused on just his Pacer stuff. And I've seen a number of people do that since then. I was thinking about collecting David Harrison. Actually, I had started a David Harrison collection. Well, then they stopped making a lot of cards of him too. So at that point, I was kind of like, forget it. I'm going to buy some baseball cards. Now, I will say here we are, you know, I can look at it and I have the advantage of looking back in time now. We're 13 or 14 years later and now I'm still trying to pick up some of that Artest stuff that I missed out on my little break from the sport. So just know whatever you decide, you've got to deal with it. Um, So another alternative to that, let's say you collect a guy, but it's not because he's on your favorite team. Let's say you just like watching him. Team has nothing to do with it. And let's face it, this is 2019, so it's a lot easier to follow the league than ever. I would say you just keep collecting that guy. I don't really think that's much of a decision to make. There's really not a lot of obstacles here. In fact, sometimes this can even work in your favor. And I, you know, I didn't follow pricing for these teams when all of this happened. But if I were to take a guy like, let's say, D'Angelo Russell. I imagine that the Nets were much cheaper in group breaks than the Lakers, so I could be wrong, but that almost seems like a given. So that would be one instance where a player changing teams could work out really well for you. Um, One more side note before I move on to talking to some of the team collectors out there. I've gotten to the point where I I think one of the reasons that Flawless and Immaculate get pushed back so far into the season, aside from wanting to have on-card autographs, I know that's one of the ideas that's been floated around, 
I think it's starting to become a big material dump for players that have been traded. Because now we're in this era where it's like players are signing shorter contracts and they're jumping from team to team on a more frequent basis. So now that's just speculation on my part. But if that's true, you know, I don't like that. I don't think that a high dollar product should be used to dispose of this traded player material. Um, But let's look at a guy like Jimmy Butler or look at a guy like Paul George. When it was clear that those guys were changing teams and in some cases they were already traded, Look at how many jumbo patches of theirs were featured in products. We're not talking throwback sets here, although I'd like to see some more of those. Anyway, that's something to think about. Okay, as far as the team collectors, and you guys probably know this stuff already, so this could just be a friendly reminder for you. If I had to classify myself as something, I would definitely say I'm a team collector more than anything. Um, So my mind went through this process again yesterday and it does every time there's players either coming in or going out. Whenever we go out and we get someone that I'm excited about, I want to get a nice prism gold or a jumbo patch or something as a result of that signing. So that's what happened with me. I wanted to go get a nice TJ Warren card. I haven't done that yet. Who knows? I might. But I also know over time that that player might have pacer stuff, or maybe they don't spend much time with the team, and then I'm going to be stuck with another team's card that doesn't mean much to me. For example, last year I wanted to grab a nice Doug McDermott flawless patch. Well, now I'm glad I didn't. And you've got to figure out, you know, do you want to be patient? Is this guy even going to get cards on your team? Um, Are you okay with eating the cost of this card if it means nothing to you in a year? These are all things to consider. My usual approach is just to hold off. I feel like this has worked pretty well for me over the years. On the flip side, there was one occasion where it really came back to bite me, and that was Victor Oladipo. So when the Pacers first made that trade, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I I loved him from, from day one, even though I am an Indiana fan and I watched him play in college. Um, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all when the trade was made, but by the time the season started, I had come to grips with it. Um, I lived near Orlando. I'd seen him play. Like I said, I saw him in Indiana. Um, So eventually I came around, but I didn't want to pick up any of his rookie stuff because he was in a magic uniform. Well, you guys can probably figure out the rest. He came here. He revolutionized his game. His rookie card shot up quite a bit. I wanted to grab a blue prism or a silver prism, but now I'm pretty much priced out of those. So that was one case where it backfired and I wish I had pulled the trigger there, but I didn't. And having said that, I think in the future I might compromise a little and pick up one decent card of each new guy. Like I said, I think that's what I might try and do with TJ Warren. I also realized that my team might lose some players that I like pretty soon, and in fact this was going through my head this week as there were some Miles Turner rumors floating around. If a guy on your team gets traded, and let's say you're a team collector, do you just keep those cards and never buy anything from them again? Um, You know, what do you do? And I've seen an approach from several collectors over the last year that I liked and I want to share with you guys. They took all of their cards of a recently traded player or somebody that signed elsewhere and they narrowed things down and they kept the best three. And whatever they were able to sell off after that, they used to fund cards for new draft picks or new players. And I thought that was a pretty good idea. All right, so there you have it. Episode 16 is in the books and now it's time for you to respond. How do you think your team did in the draft? If you collect a certain team or a certain player, 
How are you going to respond to all of these transactions? Is there somebody you're going to stop collecting? Is there somebody whose cards you're going to pick up now? Or maybe you have an approach that I didn't touch on today. Let me know on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.